welcome along to another episode of the Make It Count podcast. We're picking up from a few episodes we've done recently on the Stephen Covey series. Yeah, this is number three in the Covey series and episode number 40 in total. Which is a lot. Well done, Matt. Congratulations. Well done, David. Congratulations. (laughs) Well done, listeners. Congratulations. Anyway. Okay, condescension aside. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thanks for that, Matt. Um, But yeah, 40 episodes is a lot. And thank you so much, everyone, for coming along on this journey with us. Yeah. Matt, what is habit three? Habit number three is first things first. So there's a good chance that people have heard of this phrase Mm. a lot now. I don't know if he coined it. I feel like he probably did. And if he didn't coin it, definitely he's had a role in popularising it. Yeah, making it mainstream. But I've heard a lot of coaches, sports coaches, a lot of athletes say, mm. you know, you've got to put first things first. You know, it's almost become a cliche now. Yes. But is it just a cliche? Probably not. I think there's real value in it. That's why we're doing an episode on it. Exactly. I mean, we can do a cliches episode sometime. <laughs> that, that could be quite fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the day... Um, you got to over a new miles. leaf. Oh, right. <laughs> anyway, yes. So what do you think it means to put first things first, David? Well, I think it's helpful to put this, habit three, in the context of the first two habits. Yes. So the first habit, be proactive, is going, you are in charge, basically. The second habit is... You can imagine it. It's that law of two creations. Mm. Can you first create it in your imagination? And this habit three is about putting it to action. It's the second creation. Mm. And and I think that's a helpful thing to, to help frame this. So yeah. hopefully, if you go back and you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to the... Um, first and the second The first habits. and second in the habits. Yeah, so begin with the end in mind. Yeah. And that's really going... What is valuable to me? What are my values and principles? How do I want to live my life accordingly? And you're painting that picture and this is going, okay, now you have those values. How are you going to put that? How are you going to execute that? How are you going to be effective with that? Mm. So in the book, he has this question. If you could do one thing that you're not currently doing regularly, that would bring tremendous value to your life, in your personal life, what would you do? Matt? Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> so in preparation for this episode, I actually found on YouTube a short video, six or seven minutes long, with him explaining this herd habit. Uh, and I like the way that you framed it. It's certainly a, a David Taylor twist on it he actually explained the first three in terms of computer programming Hmm. um, which obviously was uh, coming around at that sort of time so he said the first rule is kind of you are the programmer the second rule is write the program and then the second the third rule is run the program Hmm. similar same same ideas but different language and then he goes and he takes everyone through a couple of different things that that was the that was almost where I was going to end up with in thinking about what's this one activity done superbly well if done consistently will have marvelous results mm. uh, in your personal or professional life but before he did that he got people to just list down what are the first things so spend a few minutes mm. what are the what are the first things in your life and it doesn't have to be 
things. It could be people, relationships, mm. uh, principles, values. And then he said, the hard bit, prioritize them. And, and he said, if you can't prioritize them, get your spouse to prioritize them for you. <laughs> and everyone laughed. But then he said, do this. What is then one activity done superbly well? I really like the idea of going through that, those stages. One of the things that really surprised me when he started talking, though, was I've always heard of this and thought about it in the terms of like doing, you know, my job well or doing the tasks ahead of me well. So the first thing, what's the first thing? Well, that is the most important task that I've got to do. And I'm going to put that first in the day. That's typically how I've approached this and understood it. So if I've got a report to write, and I need to find out some information. The first thing is to find that information. So I'm going to do that first in the morning or the heart. But he says right at the beginning, so much of time management at that time certainly was all about schedule. The clock was the image and it was all about increasing efficiency. But then he asks the question, who of you have ever tried to be efficient with a loved one? How did it go? <laughs> because that's not the way it works. And so he says he really wanted to change the paradigm from a schedule base to a relationship base and change it from a clock to a compass. I thought that was really powerful and really interesting. Those first things, instantly that list changes. Mm. It changes from a list of tasks or projects to maybe a, a list of people and relationships. In the book, he tells a story of his adult son, who at that time, he said, was super into scheduling and being efficient. And literally his schedule was planned to the minute. Wow. And, you know, he, he was busy. I think he was studying and working and a number of other things. So there was a lot going on. Very busy. But he ends up having this time. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but basically ends up having this conflict or something comes up and he's like i haven't budgeted this much time for this you know like this is not fitting into my efficient schedule and at the end obviously like you said we all laugh you can't be efficient with people you can't be efficient with people you love probably you can't be efficient with anybody and it's about you want to be effective with people and efficient with things yeah, And I thought that was interesting as yeah. a framework. And we, we often talk about yeah. that, but we've all been on the receiving end of when you feel like, like I remember having a conversation with some, how do I anonymize this? But I they were a senior to me in a position and we were sitting down to have a chat. It was a bit of like a, a get to know you, a bit of a maybe kind of a coaching thing, not really. It wasn't clear how much time we'd laid out, which maybe was both of our failings but it became very clear that it was half an hour <laughs> and I'd kind of thought we had an hour as that half an hour came it was like right we're done and I was like oh okay wow I'm, I, I'm being I'm being you're being efficient about this it's like you scheduled 30 minutes for this and that's it and you'd be like oh okay felt like we were just getting going but there you go wow and nobody likes being felt like oh I'm being I'm just someone's efficiency basically mm. I'm fitting into their small schedule yeah yeah and it's exactly he's he used the word he said when when everything is about efficiency then people become things 
mm. and objects. And you know, I suppose the term for that is objectification. And that's not good. <laughs> that's not what we want to do. That's mm. not how we want to be with people. So this one, putting first things first, mm. is a lot to do with time and organisation. But it's differently because, again, in the, he talks about how there have been different times of time management or different histories of it. And the first one was you make lists, you have a to-do a to-do list, a, a task tracker. That was like the first thing. And, you know, some people still use that. But what you realize is that we don't naturally move towards the things that maybe are the most important. As you said, the relationships, there's this gap. So the second one was, hey, you know, I organize and I schedule and I plan. And again, what we realized was most people were not moving towards the things that were actually important for them. Mm. And so he says, really, to put first things first is to start with the things that are first. <laughs> the priorities, which should have come out of your habit too, Richard. And yeah. for most of us, that's going to be, hey, I want to have really good relationships. Uh, you know, And actually, he wrote a book, I didn't know this, called First Things First. Huh. Entirely on this. And it was to live, to love, to learn, and to leave a legacy. Those were the sort of four subcategories. You think, well, that's quite good, isn't it? How yeah. do we organize our life around to living, living, and loving? and learning and leaving a legacy. No, that would be different. And maybe that's not what everyone wants to do. But generally, I think we come away from a task where we go, what does first things first mean to me? Mm. Well, it is the relational element often. It is the uh, mastery of something. It's rarely <laughs> what the fact that we spend 80% of our lives doing kind of busy work, especially at work. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I think that's, and it's so true, because it's, this list we're talking about kind of reminds me of the, the good to great, or good, good versus great mm -hmm. list that we talked about with Warren Buffett. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, list the top 25 things that you want to do mm -hmm. in your life. List A is the top five, list B is the next 20. Scrap them and say they are the things to avoid at all possible. And, <laughs> and it's that. It's, I think it's fairly, you've got to do the hard work initially to come up with that list and say, here, we're coming up with the list of what are the first things, but then to really go and reckon with, and how am I going to order those? So where do they come in that order? So here's one, live, love, learn, live legacy. I mean, that are they ordered? Maybe, maybe not, but how would you, you know, how do you, and that just takes hard work and there's nothing really in our formal education which prepares us to make those sort of value judgments mm. and make that sort of reasoning and go what is the most important thing for me because we're told what the most important thing in school is you've got to work hard to get the grades so that your life will be all right that's mm. basically where the equation stops and maybe you can carry that forward that story forwards job house yada yada but it's is that and so for me, I, I, I'm loving this, but I'm also thinking, ah, as with all these things, need to put in the hard work. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, I've got to sit down for three hours, but actually spend a little bit of time with pencil and paper, or pen and paper, and hash some things out, get some things down, and then come back to it again in a few days or a week or whatever. And the best thing to do would be, like you said, 
write down what are your values, what are the priorities. Mm. I get a bit iffy about using the word priorities because really yeah. it's priority because priority means one thing before any other. Yeah. So you can't have priorities, you can't pluralise or one thing before any other. Yeah. But anyway, he uses priorities, so I'm going to quote him on that and let him be wrong in that, in my <laughs> humble opinion. <laughs> um, but yeah, write down the values, the things that are priorities to you, and then go through last week's schedule and go, how much time did I give to each of those things? Oh, that's you, good. You don't, you don't yeah, need do to an start audit. with, yeah, do an audit, what's real? And he tells a story again, and you can do this for your personal life, but he also said for your business. And he was working yep. with these guys that ran a shopping center. And he asked him that thing, what, the question, what one thing that you are not doing now that you could do regularly would have a tremendous positive impact on your business. Mm. And they all went, spend more time with the shop owners. You know, we're running the shopping center. We need to spend more time with shop owners. I said, well, how much time do you think percentage-wise you're spending with the shop owners at the moment? They're like, maybe 5%. And that's always bad time because it's because I'm chasing rent. Because I've been firefighting all these other things. I'm chasing rent. It's always negative. I'm following up on something that's gone wrong. And so I'm in this firefighting sense. And so together, these these people that own the shop center, they're like, we're going to aim for 20% of our time with shop owners. Yeah. And said it had a radically positive impact on everyone. Because the shop owners, they were struggling too. And they were figuring things out. Well, in intentionally having more time, not just the firefighting time, it raised everything. And it meant there was less firefighting because there was a stronger relationship there between yeah. everyone. And we sometimes think... Oh, yeah, I know I'm only doing this at the moment, but I'm in firefighting mode all the time. Where would I find the time to do 20%? But if it is the most important thing, you have to, which yeah. is why in this chapter is where he introduces the sort of time matrix or the Eisenhower time matrix, the important, urgent thing that's uh, in this chapter. What do you know about the Eisenhower time matrix, Matt? I believe there's the... Oh, hang on. What are the? There's four boxes, aren't there? Yeah. There's. Oh, yeah. There's the two. The two axes. Yeah. Important, not important. Urgent, not urgent. Yeah. And what loads of people spend a lot of time in is urgent and important, or mm-hmm. urgent and not important. Mm-hmm. So basically, all the things that are immediately before us mm-hmm. attend to. I don't know what it would be, but a lot of our attention mm-hmm. and a lot of our time and effort goes to those places. But of course, what you're saying, and it does intuitively make sense, but it takes a a lot of self-restraint and also, well, yeah, planning to get to a place where you're going. Actually, if I attend to things that are further down the road, the things that are not urgent, but are important, Mm -hmm. and I totally ignore the things that are not important and not urgent, um, (laughs) then actually fires won't come up as much because I've spotted them Mm -hmm. and addressed them before they became big. I mean, it's the famous story, isn't it? It's a, I think it's an allegory, where these two guys, they're walking along the river and they hear like this scream and it's coming from the river and they see there's this kid in the river and they're like, jump in, they get the kid out and as they're getting out, they hear another like shout and a scream and they're like, oh, there's another kid like jumping in, grab the kid, pull him out and then there's another kid and another kid and they're just rescuing these children that are coming down the river. 
and eventually the one guy he just gets out and his mate is like what are you doing like all these all these kids are like gonna drown so like, yeah i know i'm gonna go stop the guy that's throwing them in yeah and that's kind of what it feels like sometimes to go and do the important non-urgent thing yeah you have to walk past a whole load of fires <laughs> to get there or a whole lot a whole load of children that are already in the river so the the idea well the hope is that and this is not always possible for everyone some people are in jobs where they completely can't choose what they do and with their time. Just reactionary. You know, just reactionary. They're picking up phones and that's the nature of it. You you don't choose when the phone rings, the, re- the phone rings and you answer. And until it does, you sit and wait for it to happen. There's you, So not everyone has equal op- autonomy with that. Yeah. But the, if you do have some, the goal is to hopefully spend more time in what they call quad two activities. That's the things that are important but not urgent. But they're going to make the biggest difference. And I like that he, I, th- I heard someone describe quad three, which is the not important but urgent stuff as deceptive. I thought that was a really good term mm. for that because it's urgent. Maybe it's somebody else's to-do list, but it's urgent. But it's actually, it actually doesn't make any difference to your big priorities. Yeah. And then obviously quad four is kind of, that's just a waste of time. Yeah. It's not important and it's not urgent. And, and so I'm sure we can you... all figure out what activities <laughs> might fit in there. And basically, <laughs> if you are worried about how you're going to find time to do quad two activities, you find that from quad three and quad four at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what are the things that are maybe in other parlance a time drain? Yeah. Yeah. So this is this one's all about action. It really only works though if you have you've done the work to find out what are the important things for you. Yeah. Because you can be effective and even efficient at all the wrong things. Yeah. <laughs> and you might, if you're, if you're unclear where you're headed, you'll get better at moving in a direction that you haven't set necessarily. Yeah. And so it's easy to listen to something like this or even the podcast episode we did before on beginning with the end in mind and think, that's good, I'll do that another time. We've both done that. Yep. Yeah, where we thought that sounds like a really good activity I'll cycle back to that at some point yeah I'll star <laughs> that email or yeah. I'll bookmark that page come back to it when do I ever go back to my bookmarks <laughs> and this one intuitively feels more tangible to act on yeah so it'd be easy to not do the first t- two things but two habits jump straight into jump this. into the third habit it's like right, this is about action I love action yeah. I want to put the first things first but actually you haven't figured out what is important to you. Yeah. So the first things first is going to be what is urgent, probably. And you're going to confuse those things. Yeah. And then you're going to become really effective at being urgent. And that's not always bad. You've got to respond to urgent things. They're crises. They're things that come up and need dealing with straight away. But if you want to live with a little bit more intentionality, moving into that quad two, where it's a longer distance, it's catching it before it happens, planning, long-range planning, vision setting, mm. moving from those places, that requires a vision. Yeah. Maybe you've written your obituary, maybe you haven't. Well, what you've just reminded me of is, is a story that I can only remember part of, <laughs> but it's, it's about this becoming really good at fighting fires and uh, adding into the, the conversation about the autonomy bit. And I think this is where those within certain organisations who have more autonomy, a.k.a. generally the people that are further up the command chain, um, I don't really like that term, but those are the ones who have really more responsibility 
to be doing this to enable those who have less say over their time to not have to be constantly fighting fires. So there was a scenario where um, they basically did some study on a particular hospital, maybe a group of hospitals, um, and the nurses were always going, there's not enough towels or whatever we need. And what they ended up doing is they got very good at sourcing out their own source of towels from the next ward over or whatever. But of course, all that does is pass the problem. It passes the fire from one to another. So the operators on the ground, the nurses and the staff face to face, were solving the initial, pro- the immediate problem. Right, I've got what I need. But actually, all that did is create a, a greater problem. What needed to happen was let's go one level up. There's obviously a problem going on here with whatever it is. The the laundry is not quick enough, or we need actually just a greater supply or a stop. Or, but because of that. They got super efficient at solving really the wrong problem. What they needed to do, and I'm sure they, you know, I'm sure they did, but as always, it feels like you fall on deaf ears. But tell them we need more towels, uh, and but the people above with the autonomy needed to go. How can we stop them from having to fight fires mm-hmm. and uh, spend time and effort and pass the problem to somewhere else in the organisation? Mm-hmm. Because that doesn't help anyone. Yeah, and like you said, they got so good at solving that problem that it almost hit it. Yes. Because it That's starts right. becoming a fire, but it it was always coming up. Oh, yeah. there always seems to be a shortage of things. And like you said, they would go, get it from the ward over and get it from the ward over. So that's, and that's where we all, for for ourselves, I mean, hopefully you're in an organization that is thinking a little bit beyond the next day, but also for ourselves, we want to think a little bit beyond the next day. Are we stealing from tomorrow <laughs> with our energy, with the way we do it? Yeah. And this is, you know, one of the practical things he said, don't plan a day plan a week it just gives you a little bit more leeway mm. to look at your week in terms of that thing like yeah. oh this is where i'm going to put some time aside to my most important priority which is whatever and then you're looking at it across a longer time frame which yeah. allows you to live a little bit more intentionally which allows you to then make it count in the way that you want to make it count absolutely and i'll just circle back one more time it's in this regard, he really doubled down on this. It's about relationships. It's not about tasks. Mm. And I'm sure all of us would recognize, yeah, that the week, even it, with a really good, I've been effective and, uh, and efficient this week, but it doesn't necessarily make for a really fulfilling week. The, the weeks where we've made sure that we connected with people intentionally, and that doesn't have to be just friends and family. That can be with people you're working with in your industry. How can I make sure I see them as a person today rather than as an object or as a means to an end? Hmm. 100%. So, yeah, that's uh, that's habit three, putting first things first. Uh, we would, I, I mean, you actually, I don't think you've read the book yet, have you? I've read no. it a couple of times. I think it's well worth your, your time, your effort, your money to buy a copy and read it. Um, it might... And, uh, it might just change your life. It might do. It, it might not. But it's it's val- it's a valuable resource. Hence why we're talking about it. Yeah. So let us know what questions and comments you have. We're on all the socials. Well, primarily, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Neither of us are on Instagram. <laughs> Neither are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We have the email: makeitcount.pod@gmail.com. Yeah. All right. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>